Welcome to another episode of the No Time for Time Travel podcast. This is the September 2023 edition. I'm saying that now because I think we record one episode per month or something. Um, yes, and joining me is Quack. Hello. Hello. We are a podcast for nerds by nerds. I sound like I'm I'm a low energy because I didn't have coffee yet. <laughs> I am sipping green matcha green tea right now. Matcha green tea latte with almond milk made at home. No sugar. Using stevia. Wait, what's yes. stevia? Oh, stevia? Stevia is the natural sweetener that is not sugar. It's from the stevia plant, stevia leaf oh. extract. Yeah, so it's not sugar, so it's good for you. And it's not artificial, so it's also good for you. I mean, it's not, not good, good for you. It's more of like, it's not terrible for you. You, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hearing saying it's like, it sounds like a lot of not real, not real things. <laughs> it's not, um... It's not as not real. It is a sweetener. Okay. But it's uh, it's made naturally from the stevia leaf. Oh, okay. Versus if you get like aspartame or erythritol, like they're a little bit different. Um, stevia is more natural. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, on today's episode, we got a few things. Uh, the main topic we're going to be talking about is probably the big uh, issue. I, I would say issue with the Unity. And their whole like new rollout of the the payments um, for developers, uh, but yeah. Before we get into that, oh yeah, and we also have a few topics that were suggested from uh, from some of the uh, listeners and stuff. So we'll get to that too. Um, but yeah, before getting to that, how you been doing? Uh, not too bad. Got a little bit of got a little bit sick, and then but it's just been minor minor symptoms. Even though it's COVID, so I've just been isolated and not moving out uh, out too much. But. Yeah, I mean, if you got like, you know, minor symptoms, it should be fine. I think like the the biggest issue is for people who are immunocompromised and get the, like the severe symptoms, you know? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So far, it's just feels like an annoying cold. I'm just waiting to not to, uh, just waiting a bit, waiting it out, essentially. Yeah. And it's, you know, COVID is the same thing. You just do the whole same, like, lots of fluid, lots of rest, all that yeah. stuff. The, the annoying thing is, it's like taking a test it gets so expensive. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, so so for me, right, like I usually get on Amazon. If you get it like in person, it's really expensive. Like if you go to the store and get it mm-hmm. um, or you can go to the t- test centers. I think it's still free in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, online, you can get two tests for like 16 bucks right. or I got five tests for like 26 bucks. What? So yeah, it's a five pack. Um, oh, okay. Also on Amazon. It's pretty cheap. If you get it online, okay, it's, I'll ask for you for it later then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's um kind of annoying. But then the weird the bad thing is those tests have like very quick like um expirations, so you mm-hmm. can't just stock up on it. You got to just get it when you need it. You know. Oh, that's lame. Okay. Yeah, because I actually bought like fifty tests before, <laughs> like during that height height of like COVID, and yeah. you know it was hard to get tested, and um pretty much all of that's expired now. <laughs> so. It was like, oh man, damn it, can't use them. You could use them, but they'll all be negative. <laughs> so it's like, what's the point? <laughs> so yeah, but um, yeah. How how about anything else? You just been um, home not so much. Uh, I think I've just been mostly chilling uh, at home and I just started uh, some new work. Just trying to look at some reference for that. How, how how's you been doing, Tony? How is uh 
I know like you we we talked a bit about like you binging like One Piece and whatnot and oh, household yeah, yeah. stuff. I I like it. So um, I don't remember when we last recorded. Probably before the One Piece Netflix came out, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. So I watched the Netflix series first, and in the middle of that series, I jumped onto the anime, which <clears throat> like over a thousand episodes. Yeah, I'm not gonna get through that. But um, as I went halfway through Netflix series, then I started the anime. It was really cool to see. How close they made the characters look, and how the casting was. Casting was pretty good. Um, there were some changes. Um, I feel like the changes did work for what they were trying to do because it, it was like a live action. I think the casting was really good because of uh, um, oh, was it uh, the the guy who created the the manga or anime? Mm-hmm. He was involved. He actually did, did the casting, mm-hmm. so that was cool. I really like the guy that plays uh, Luffy in the live action. It's so exact to like how he is in the anime um kobe was fine he's very different like his uh <clears throat> his look is really exactly the same but his personality is like the same core values but in a different ex- external like representation does that make sense yes he has like the essence of it the what like the essence of the character yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, because in in the anime, he's a little bit more like high strung, high anxiety, panicking all the time. In the live action, he is anxious and actually he is anxious and high strung, but in a real human way. <laughs> you know, like his character, if you you put it on paper and from the anime, right, is like a high strung, high anxiety character. Now you well, take I that. I don't know about high, high anxiety. He's like chill. <laughs> In anime, he seems like he's always like going like off and crazy and you know just like super. He's energetic. Yeah, yeah, that. that. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's anxious but p- pushing it out in an energetic way, mm. right? And in the live action, it's the opposite where it's more of like he's very closed off, you know. Mm. But like with the core, the same core values, but um, and the same look. Uh, and that pirate in the first episode was pretty close to the pirate in the first episode of the anime too. I forgot her name. <laughs> Alveda something? Yeah, Alveda. Yeah, Alveda. So yeah, then I finished the Netflix series. I, I really enjoyed the Netflix series. I, I know that there were some parts of it that were weird. Um, mm-hmm. I think we talked about this too. It was like, there was one part in episode three or four where they were in like the street market and they, they just used a very like wide fish eye lens. Yep. And I had no idea why. I'm like, why are you guys doing this? Yeah. It's not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember like when I, I've we were talking about it when you said you, you started watching One Piece and whatnot, and then I was watching it, but I never saw the first episode. I only started from like the second episode. Mm-hmm. So like I saw, and you were mentioning like, oh, it had like very anime uh, camera angles, mm-hmm. or and I was and I saw the fish islands in like episode three or four or whatever. I was like, I yeah, I know that's used in some anime, but. I didn't. I didn't think it was good. <laughs> I, um, I didn't, that, that's why. Like, but I after I saw episode one, like, oh, okay, this is what you were talking about. Like one or two were better. Episode one and two were better represented than like three, four, where it got weird. Yeah, and um, uh, what else? I really liked Buggy, like in the live action. Mm-hmm. I thought Buggy in the live action was actually better than how he was in the anime. Oh yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I loved it. Yeah. Like and they had they devoted the entire episode second mm-hmm. episode to Buggy like that was really cool 
mm-hmm. um, in the anime, they kind of split him off to a few episodes, but then it was like just a few things here and there. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like he was very well established. Um, yeah, but the live action one, I thought it was like, like he's almost like, yeah, episode that episode about Buggy was, it felt more like he was like a mix between Joker and Sweet Tooth. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, that is really cool. Um, but I, I told you too that I didn't like how that character became later. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. yeah, fun fact for people who don't know, if you guys watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, the guy who plays Buggy played, um, oh man, what was his name? Deke? Was it Deke? I don't remember. Zeke? Zeke, maybe? Zeke. Zeke. It was Zeke from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's cool because I didn't know this at first. And then I was like, why does his face look familiar? And I was looking into it more. I'm like, oh my gosh, I looked at the casting. It's the same guy. I'm like, okay, cool. Because like he's like one of uh, the actors that I, I really liked on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. So, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just glad that you. I was actually more surprised that you got into watching the anime because that you just gonna stop at the the live action and just keep it there. But you kept going with wow, that's cool. Yeah, I'm one of the people who actually enjoyed Cowboy Bebop's live action, but that didn't make me want to go to the anime. Mm. So this one was this the first time? Let me think. I feel like it is because we never talk anime, Tony. Yeah, we do. <laughs> We well, I mean, I, we, we talk anime, but like you don't watch it. It's just like me talking about it. <laughs> no, I mean, like there are some that I watch, like Cell at Work, Cells at okay. Work, and um, and I watch a lot of the old ones. I used to watch oh, like Get Dragon Backers, uh, Great Teacher on the Zuka. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like my opinion is still Great Teacher on the Zuka is the best anime adapted to live action I've ever seen. Um, because the live action plays more like a drama than it does like an anime adaptation. So see and you told me i should watch kenshin i haven't had a chance to you know since we're talking about anime adaptations there's one that i was um reading about recently uh that was a fairly recent anime uh and then it was adapted into live action Jap- japan though but it was uh inu yashiki you know about that one inu yashiki that sounds it's so no. funny because when i first saw the name i was like inuyashi i'm like no 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 it's inuyashi <laughs> yeah it's not yeah it's not inuyasha so Inuyashiki is about like uh, some kind of like meteor or accident that happens that gives two people powers. One is an old man and one is like a young person, right? But then the old man decides to use his newfound powers. The powers are like they turn them cybernetic. So the, the old man decides to use his powers for good and become like a hero and save things. While the, the young person becomes like a villain and like murderer. So the idea of that, t- that, that kind of like... um premise is really cool to me yeah so it actually reminds me of the that movie chronicle i think the same kind of thing happened four kids or something uh, several kids um teenagers got powers but then one of them might use it for for evil mm. no yeah. i don't know that one but I, I now that you mentioned like the premise i was like oh i think i saw like one episode of it like the, mm-hmm. the anime and i don't know i didn't enjoy it or i didn't gravitate towards it for some reason uh it might just be like the art style at the time so I'm not oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean the art style for that anime looks like very realistic. Like yeah. it's it's kind of like dark and more shaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm not into that style either. Um but I was possibly going to watch the live action. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think anime that is in that art style of like realistic plays mm-hmm. better when it is adapted to live action actually. Well, I mean like I think that was like 
uh, Death Note, and, I, and that was adapted. And I heard like mixed reviews. Like at least it, one of the the remake or one of the adaptation got, uh, was pretty bad. What, you Death mean the Netflix one? <laughs> I don't know. There's like two and three of them, and I, I don't even know. There, yeah. There's there's a two in Japan. Uh, that was adapted, and then there's one in the U.S. which is Netflix. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> it yeah, it's so funny because oh yeah, uh, for people who don't know, I also have a different tri- uh, podcast now. It's called the Video Game and Nerd Trivia Podcast, where I do questions on trivia, and it could be about video games, and it could be about um, any nerd topic. One of the episodes I did was about live action anime adaptations. So. That's why I know this because I did some research on it before <laughs> I did that. So, um, but yeah, the Netflix uh, adaptation had a. Uh, it was weird because there were two Japanese adaptations, and Netflix still decided to like make a live action. Um, and the Japanese ones were supposedly a lot better, and the live action one for the the U.S. one mm-hmm. was really bad. Like that, that was really really badly reviewed. So, which it's it's. Uh, disappointing to me because the guy who plays um what's the guy's name the demon guy the risugi or whatever i I don't know his name you know what i'm talking about Uh, the the main guy the the demon guy the kind of like the personification of the book okay yeah 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 Yeah. um he's voiced by willem dafoe and that's a pretty good cast like that's really good casting willem dafoe is green goblin from like toby's like spider-man series Mm -hmm. like that that guy is that his his face is evil his voice is evil like come on that's really good casting <laughs> yeah so but yeah i don't know what we were talking about why we veered into this <laughs> we, we were talking about like anime adaptation and then just, oh okay like the good and bad stuff about it i guess yeah uh i mean i guess we could skip uh go to like the topic or like the oh the, sure um or the other questions too Taking a little break here to talk to you guys about Zencaster. And on this podcast, we use Zencaster to record our podcast. What I love about Zencaster is it's a local recording that gets uploaded to the cloud so that each person recording gets their own high quality recording. So by the end of it, I get individual recordings from each person so that I can edit it together pretty easily. You basically go onto Zencaster, create a room, and then everyone joins and then recording starts and ends just as simple as that. It's also an all-in-one solution, so you can actually host and publish your podcast straight from Zencaster. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code no time for time travel and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Well, yeah, so. let's go with the topic first. Uh, yeah, the, t- the main topic is about Unity. So Unity's uh, new thing is that after January 1st, 2024, um, anyone that installs any new installs of games, they're going to have like the people who um, the developers have to pay like a portion, right, to, to Unity, something like that. Yeah, um, it's like after after X install. So if there's like different versions of of Unity, like if they got like the free version, so like if after like two hundred thousand installs and they made two hundred thousand dollars off it, uh, they have to pay a certain percentage or fee to them. Um, and there's like the pro version where it's like for more, uh, you could say the triple A advanced thing, where like the the cap is higher. So it's like I think it's like a million, a million dollars, and it 
and a million installs, then they have to pay a price. Um, whereas before, I think it was all those after X amount of install and uh, profit, anything after that, then they'll pay a percentage of the profit. And so anything before that is kind of like free-ish. Like yeah, it's still, you still don't have to pay the percentage before then. So the installs, like they start. So so I think like the, the thing that kind of bothered me when I was like, reading about this Mm -hmm. is that yeah it's going to go into effect january 1st 2024 fine but it's everybody that had had used unity before right any games that were created before that january 1st are still going to be affected yeah yeah so yeah yeah it's 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 weird because then now they're charging like after you cross that threshold they have to pay uh, a certain fee or or sorry yeah a certain amount for every time somebody install the game or every new install and it's like oh it's like leaving a house you buy a house or something but every time you leave your house you'd pay like a uh, like a penny or like a dime or something or a dollar for leaving the house i'm like oh that's stupid was a point of it's like additional fees on top of that yeah and and the thing too is like what about like you know people who install it then they have to like like this is what I do on Steam Deck, right? Because something mm-hmm. that can take up a lot of space. I'll install it, and then I will uninstall it to then download a different game to install, right? And then I want to play the other game again. I'll just like uninstall and then download again that first game. So does that count as two installs for the developers, right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I think I saw this somewhere, and initially that like somebody asked the same thing, and initially it was like. If somebody had a demo or whatever, like a playable demo to try out the game, and then uh, if you uninstall the game and reinstall, that still that counts as a new one. But recently they've changed it so that it's just like a new install. So like reinstalling doesn't affect it, and then uh, uh, demos doesn't affect it either. So if you uninstall and reinstall, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, and then also like what makes me curious is how do they even track this? Is yes. It, yeah. <laughs> is it only based on the digital stores? Like if it's purchased and installed? Or is it like, is there something else that Unity has that it's tracking? And then it, it, it basically it's like, okay, well, how do you know if it's installed if like this person installs on a device that has no internet connection? Right. right. So like, how does that work? Or this game is an offline game, but you're still tracking this. So are you sending out, you know, privacy information or mm-hmm. like, other stuff through the internet that you then disclose, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, because that's definitely like the red flag. Because, like you mentioned, it's kind of like having a a spyware thing that only Unity ha- has in, uh, has access to. Not even like the developers, right? Because they're, they're just making the game using Unity, and then mm-hmm. it's just like a invisible thing that they have no control of. So it's like, oh, you have this uh, little chip or information inside of your uh, inside your PC. Or it's like the software, your, your operating system that just sends out signal. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's it's like a tracking device that's invisible to everybody except Unity. And that makes it like a big red, red flag. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading uh, from the IGN article about it that, um, that Unity also said that 
uh, this is funny. People were actually asking the same stuff too. Uh, and then they were like saying like, oh, this will only count for net new installs. Um, mm. It doesn't count fees on reinstallations or fraudulent installs. Mm. I'm guessing piracy. <laughs> and uh, uh, botnets and trial versions and streaming and charity related installs. So that's interesting. Um, when they say web and streaming games. So so does that mean if they, like it doesn't count if it's installed on like a uh, shadow PC? You know, like those those things you pay service for to or like, let's say, you know, Xbox cloud gaming. Like if you play it from the cloud streaming, like like is there a fee of being installed on the Xbox side? You know? Yeah, it it's such a weird thing because I think, yeah, it's yeah. like a somewhere like it would go back to the distributor, which is a fee on the, like you said, on Xbox or Microsoft, I guess, in this case. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's what it was said. Um and then, like recently, I think only yesterday or something, uh, they mentioned that they're gonna they they hear the they send like like out an apology thing, mm-hmm. uh, and just like oh yeah, we're gonna re- we heard the community, we're gonna take uh, we're we're gonna review the policy a bit more, so we'll see. But at the same time, it's just like we we saw like what they wanted to do, and they just scared. We see it as a oh they're scared of the repercussion, but now we know like their intention already. Yeah, I don't know who on the Unity side thought this was a good idea. <laughs> like, dude, like if you were gonna do this, at least don't like at least grandfather in people who are already developing the games. You know, like I, I mean, it's it's like the I think he was like a he was the CEO of EA, so, oh. that so that's that's who it is. <laughs> and yeah. there's like been many um, many I guess like uh, recordings of him talking about this thing recently where it's just like it's a a missed opportunity for all like the to make to make money essentially where he's like he was some saying something about like how um he make an analogy where it's like kind of like a, a re- you're so invest they're so invested into it already that they have to kind of go all the way kind of like a, they would just pay that extra they would just have to bite the bullet and pay the extra fees just because they're so well into it, and it it, co- it might cost more time and effort to and money to just switch out of it. So I'm like, man, it sounds pretty dirty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, jokes on him because you know the Rust two developer uh, Face Punch. They said they won't be making any of their games in Unity now. Uh, oh, and yeah. then Ma- yeah. Massive Monster threatened to delete their their game too. The was it um, uh, Cult of the Lamb. And uh, and there was another studio too, or was it the same studio? I saw their tweet that it was like they were saying that um, if this happens, we're gonna have to restart our whole game on a different engine, yeah. and we won't continue using Unity. <coughs> I forgot if that was the same as um, Massive Monster, or maybe another company. I forgot. It but. might be another one, but yeah, it, it's it's weird because like from a, a developer's point of view, like yeah, you can say we're going to make it a completely new one right we, we can completely um do it on a completely new engine like unreal or something um but at the same time it depends on each developer and how far they are into the, the their process if they're like halfway through then they have to bite the bullet and like commit through it right because otherwise it's going to be like spend more uh, more time like if they spend like two years already all in engine they would have to spend another two or three years relearning it into another engine and doing the same thing over again. 
And then if they're yeah. like close to the process of just shipping it, then it's like, oh, well, we, we can't not do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I mean, it, yeah. Sometimes I think like they are just like um, bluffing, but at the same time, enough people are doing this or saying these things that Unity has to make a response. Like there was also um, in San Fran and Austin, uh, mm -hmm. they had to close their offices at Unity. And what was like, they said there was a credible death threat. So oh, wow. I was like, yeah, yeah, guys, because you guys are stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you just lost a lot of goodwill of your customers. Yeah. And this probably is going to have a big blowback of like, you know, the EA, former EA guys like, oh, missed opportunity to make money. Yeah. Well, now you're not going to make any money. You're going to lose yeah. it more than you said. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So it, it's, yeah. I mean, like with EA, like him, uh, I'm trying to remember if he's the same guy that was talking about it years before, where it's just like saying, uh, saying like interns were like a, a form of free labor, like, op like openly in interviews and stuff like that. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember if that was like the same guy, because I remember there was someone that said, said it like that. I think it was EA, but I'm not, I don't remember. Just like 10 years ago, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of those, one of those things where, uh, it it's a it's you we can see it like more of of a uh more targeted towards like those free to play games like uh those or like those cheap games essentially because now or like those especially the free to play games where there's a lot of uh, monetization now there's even where it's like free and it, it hurts them a lot more and now like they get tons of install because like the price is so cheap and everything right and then yeah. like you, yeah. you get like indie games like one of like the reason I love indie games because they're so cheap and, and everything uh, and they're like they can be like they make you want to try and they're uh, they're not like a big like triple A sixty seventy dollars game where it's like a big a hit to your wallet and yeah but now like it makes those indie games prices kind of potentially sh uh, shoot up because they're like well if we price it at like five dollars a game then it's going to be pretty bad because like now there's, there's going to be more people installing it. There's going to be more people downloading it and buying it, but we're not making much money off it. It's only like yeah. $5 or something like that. But it's yeah. like they're jacking up the price to like $70 games. Like, oh, then it's going to suck. It's a it's a lose-lose situation in a way. Yeah, because I mean, Unity was like, yeah, this will not affect 90% of the customers um, if we make this change. Well, no, like it technically won't affect them immediately. But over time, yes, mm -hmm. it will, because it pushes the entire market to have more expensive games because there are more fees for yeah. developers, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that thing you said about the tweet, it was uh, as of this recording, we're recording on 1130 a.m. Monday. And uh, the tweet was 18 hours ago mm -hmm. on Sunday. Uh, that they said, we have heard you. We apologize for any confusion and angst. The runtime policy we announced on Tuesday calls. We are listening, talking to team members, community customers, and partners, and we'll be making changes to the policy. We will share an update in a few days. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback. Um, and then the, the first, <laughs> the most popular tweet comment was, never forget that Tony Tortellini is the former CEO of EA, and that's where his greediness stems from. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, someone else wrote, we have heard you. We have not listened to you. Here is a bunch of marketing talk to make you think we're going to do something. But in actuality, we're just trying to figure out how to keep doing what we're doing and what we already decided to do. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback. What? Seriously? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, someone wrote, yeah, we know that they're just going to rewrite everything in a way that makes it the exact same thing. 
Yep. Uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with just that alone, they've already lost uh, all the future potential for like new developers jumping onto their platform mm-hmm. or onto the engine. You know, um, have you seen, you know, the, the, uh, that meme of like the coffin dance and the coffin song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to send you this uh, tweet link because this is very cool. Uh, how do I link this? Let me see here. I'm going to send you this on the chat on. Yeah. So someone animated uh, six uh, 3D animated <laughs> figures holding a white coffin that has the word unity on it. So it's basically their coffin dance. <laughs> They're doing the same dance too. So I'm like, oh, yeah. So that's... so <laughs> it's also funny because like the um, the, the mannequins that you see, uh-huh. they're they're known uh they're like unreal mannequins so oh. <laughs> so it's just like that it's like you're saying like unreal is carrying uh, unity's grave or, or coffin oh man that's so good i mean how long did it take someone to do this it's so funny oh yeah man um, this yeah. yeah that tweet that they said there is a lot of backlash on that on oh, that yeah. tweet you know yeah for sure like you've the mo- yeah, it's, it's definitely like a lot of uh, controversy happening right now. So it's just a matter of like wait and see what happens, and then yeah, can't really do much about it now. It's just see what ha- it's just like grab your popcorn and get ready to read the next thread. Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't even know about this because you know lately I haven't been following the news. Mm-hmm. I've only heard about it because on the Super Best Friend Video Game Sleepover podcast, there's a channel called Thanks I Hate It. <laughs> and and Thanks I Hate It channel, just like people complaining. And then this was a big topic there. So I was following up and I looked everything up. I'm like, oh my God, this is like insane. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is kind of like, I think uh, I told you about it yesterday, Tori. It's, like, it's similar to like Wizard of the Coast thing with D&D as well. Like the, the OGL, open game license, I believe. Oh yeah, I didn't get to see those videos that you sent. What what was the issue with um, Wizards of the Coast again? So essentially, the the summarized version of it is that um, they changed the policy um, to saying that if you were to use anything similar uh, related to D and D, that's like a watered down version, for example. So like let's say remember like one. Uh, that one time that we did a D&D session, uh, Tony and we broadcasted like on this channel. Uh, they, so two things happened. One, uh, we have to, they own it, like uh, Wizard of the Coast own it. They can charge for it. Uh, they, we have to pay a, a service, uh, like pay something, some sort of fee for it. Um, people who have all, who have done like actual D&D stuff, like variation, sort of thing from games to just podcasts to things, will kind of lose all rights and they will, um, let me see, and if if the Wizard of the Coast doesn't like, and you you also lose, uh, you also sign over legal rights to it, so you can't sue them or anything. Uh, you also, i trying to remember what else there was. There's a lot of bad things. Essentially, you lose all rights, they own it, they can do whatever... Uh, they could do what they could cancel you if they they fi- don't like you or find some of your stuff controversial, um, and and you can't do anything legally about it. And they give everybody to who's uh, 
about to all all like the content creators for D and D essentially they had like about a week to sign it to sign to agree to it or else they can't or else they can't post anything about it anymore because it's a D is a thing uh, is is a wizard of the coast thing so a lot of content creators or the community of D and D were super mad at it because there was uh, an ish there was like a a clause or something saying like they were not gonna yeah they, there was a clause saying to remember uh if the OGL the open game license which is this is to change in the future uh then we then the content creator or the owner have the opportunity to choose a previous version of the license that they are happy with and keep that um as a way of saying that Wizard of the Coast will never will not be changing any of this uh, in the future. Essentially, it's, it's kind of like solidifying, like, oh, we're not we're not gonna change. But if we did change, uh, you may go back to like the previous version. Um, and I think somewhere along the line, I, I heard somebody was saying like they tried to actually delete any previous history of that, but there's online archiving. Um, so there was a huge backlash with the uh, with the uh, Dungeons and Dragons community, and I think luckily they they came out on top where the community banded together and essentially they just boycotted Wizards of the Coast stuff and did uh, and bought all the alternative stuff and did everything else in a different direction. And uh, Wizards of the Coast kind of just saw like the loss of uh, of revenue and how much. Uh, from, from just the action alone. So they kind of, uh, I guess you could say like, they semi-compromise and say like, hey, we're not going to change anything from this version on, but from this, but if you, from, from this version and upwards, content creators can choose to adapt it and use that option. And uh, Wizard of the Coast will have some of the essentially content creators will have options to use um, A, which is like the pre option A, which is the previous version um, of what's not affected of what everybody knows of Dungeons and Dragons, or options B of the open game license, where essentially what we kind of talked about about uh, Wizard of the Coast owning portions of that, and we had to pay uh, royalty fees and whatnot, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that it's it's the whole similar similarity of uh, the community which has built up everything, having the rug swept beneath their feet with the con- changing contract. Yeah, I think it, that's unfortunately that is common. Doesn't make it right. No, uh, but it's it's common. You you kind of see that with Nintendo too, or um, you know, like not the same way. But in a similar way, where you know there's community um, involvement, and then they kind of just shut things down. Like they shut down uh, the competitions where they used uh, Super Smash Brothers. Oh, I forgot what Project M, Project M, and um, because because they're like, you guys can't do this. Uh, it's a, it's a Nintendo game that you guys modified, so you can't hold these tournaments. You know, so instead of embracing the community and then supporting them, so yeah. Again, not the exact same thing. Not like they're charging the money, but it's still like, it sucks because yeah. this this goes back to kind of like our last episode, right? About like community content and yep. then like the the yeah and how you know Sega embraced it 
and supports the community and then they're able to thrive so like dude just just be good to the community that is making you guys money like don't try to be so greedy to pull more money out of them because then you're just going to lose the community overall you know so yeah it's it's always like a like from from how i see it is like executive see the short-term goal or a short-term monetary goal but they don't see like the long-term monetary goal. They they see just the monetary side. They don't see the environment and how the non-money stuff affects the way that the money flows. Yeah, that that's better way of saying it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still reading the comments. <laughs> <laughs> this it's like revert the changes and fire your CEO. Uh, <laughs> it's time for a new paradigm shift. It's like yeah. I think there was other stuff as well where where I heard like um, you know, the CEO because Unity was already going downhill before he came and whatnot, um, and then like the CEO came on and whatnot. And I think before the C the, the announcement of this, like there like I think there was news or something of the CEO selling his his shares of Unity as well. So like he knows it's gonna go down. He just want to make as much money out of it when it happens. Isn't that considered insider trading? I think so, maybe. <laughs> so this guy, wait, okay. That's, I thought you can't, huh? I thought you can't do that. Like selling shares, knowing that your company is going to go down. Like, isn't that illegal? Well, I don't, but who's, who's to say knowing that your company is going to go down, right? It's, it's like. Well, I mean, hey guys, I'm going to sell all my shares. And then the next day I'm going to announce something that everyone hates. <laughs> Like, like, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, to be, to be fair, like, maybe in his mind, he just doesn't even care or see it. Because <laughs> yeah. all he knows, if he all he knows is, like, money, right? Uh-huh. He's like, oh, yeah, it's going to make money, which is potentially up. So, I don't know. It's just, like, a, at that point, it's just kind of like a, a trust thing, right? Where it's just like, oh, I trust you're telling the truth, but depending on the mm-hmm. person. Yeah. 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 Oh, so so his uh, this guy is twisted, and I I just think it's funny because his last name is Tortellini, which is a type of pasta that is like kind of twisted, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all right. Well, uh, that's our thoughts on this. I mean, this is current state of us recording on Monday, September eighth, at around eleven a.m. Pacific time. So this the stuff that's gonna happen after this episode releases, like um it could change by then. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure. Um, but that's the current state as of this recording. Uh, but yeah. You have any other things to say about it or you want to move on to something else? No, uh, let's move on to something else. Otherwise it's gonna leave a, a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> You're gonna what? It's gonna leave a bad taste in my mouth. Oh yeah, okay. Okay, so just real quickly, I'm going to talk about Mortal Kombat 1, uh, which as of this recording is still not officially out yet, but I got early access since Thursday, the 14th, which I told you is funny because I was at Disneyland, didn't plan my uh, my time correctly there. <laughs> I took the work day off to go to Disneyland and people thought I took it off to play Mortal Kombat, um, which is something I might have done. <laughs> But that was not the reason. So instead, I, I did start the, the, the early access a little bit late. Um, I put in about, what is it, 30 hours? 30 I put hours. in about 30 hours. Yeah. Um, 
most of my time was actually just in practice mode, playing the game and learning the characters. Um, I could tell you things I like. Uh, things I like. The roster is pretty good. Uh, the combos are pretty good. Uh, the the story mode is really fun. Uh, it's really interesting. I played it yesterday about like an hour or two, and the cinematics are pretty cool. They they do lead into the the gameplay with like no load times. I, I'm playing this on the Steam Deck, by the way. Um, and I yeah, I mean like generally speaking, it's a fun game. Whether it's a balanced game, I don't think it's balanced, but it's a fun game. But again, I can't criticize too much because it's early access. And the official release date is tomorrow, September 19th, which they already announced is going to have a day one patch, which is going to do some balancing and some some uh, additional things in there. So now I can talk about the bad things. <laughs> so the bad things is there's this new mode called Invasions, and it's supposed to be single player. And the way that it, it runs is that it's on the overworld map, kind of like, um, like you know, Yoshi's Island or Super Mario World. You know those games that have overworld, like the the overworld type of map. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So you basically have your character, and you move through the overworld. You go through the story, and then you on some of those things, you have to go in and fight someone. Like each of those overworld stops, right? Mm -hmm. um, instead of you going through a level, you're fighting someone, and. Um, you unlock things, you get keys, you get uh, keys to unlock doors, you know, all that stuff. And it's supposed to be every season, there's a different story. So the first season now is a weird one where Scorpion from another universe is trying to find a universe where his wife and kid are not dead. But he went through so many universes that they are always dead. And he finally comes to our universe in which they are not dead. But in, instead, this one is married to a different scorpion so now he's angry and he just wants to kill everyone so <clears throat> the story is that you're supposed to try to stop that from happening um so every season it's gonna have some kind of story like that so cool idea badly badly implemented it is the most boring mode i've ever played in a mortal Kombat game like it's just not fun you you just you move the character on the overworld map you just read dialogue or it's like narrated to you and you unlock keys unlock doors you know stuff like that you can, oh yeah, and there's also consumables and spell with a K, of course. And basically, some fights uh, have modifiers added to it, like like a flying prehistoric bird shoots fire at you every ten seconds, right? And then the enemy has armor, and you have to use consumables to replenish your health, like a potion, or increase your damage, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I I get what they're trying to do, but it just it just doesn't feel fun or work for a fighting game, you know? Like, like it's like Vampire Survivor, but with a fighting game. Am I making sense? Wait, Vampire Survivor in what way? In a way that there's a ton of consumables that will help you, like, progress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that way. And then, like, but, but like it works in that game because it's meant for that. It's a roguelike. It's supposed to be like that, right? Right. You're taking a fighting game and you're throwing it into, an, like, an overworld thing and then you're throwing in consumables and you're putting random modifiers in that just makes it frustrating like like some characters you cannot attack them unless you have a very small window where they turn blue right um like it's it's like boss battles in super mario world right but this is a fighting game which is frustrating because in a fighting game you're meant to fight that's the main thing 
Yeah. And now now it's like you're doing this whole Mega Man weird thing where you're trying to find their weakness or window of time or right. you know using potions and whatever and it's like frustrating and annoying and just boring, you know? Yeah, it's more like you have to figure out their attack patterns and then yeah. on top of that make it a fighting game. It yeah. just feels like you're you're not fighting, you're just waiting it out and then doing something and you make it more monotonous, I guess, cuz it yeah. hours once you move the moment you figure out the pattern, you just do the same thing over and over. Is how, how I see it. Yeah. So I understand why they did this because this is for casual people who don't play many fighting games, right? So from my perspective, where I am a fighting game fan, this mode is not for me because all it does is like all the skill and all the things I expect to learn from a fighting game are thrown out the window because now it's just like trying to get through the the levels by finding the cheap workaround, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I uh I am a completionist, but that's one mode I won't be playing. So I'll like for the story, I do enjoy the story. So what I'm gonna do, which I already did, was just go through YouTube and just watch the cinematics or whatever like the story is for that mode for whatever season it is. Cause it's like I'm not gonna put myself through the stress of like going through that, not enjoying it, and then you know, I would have done this if I was a kid, but not now. Like as a kid, I played through Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero, which is the most terrible game ever, but I went through it because it was Mortal Kombat. So I'm not doing that anymore with this game. Because, <laughs> um, you know, as an adult, no time, right? So so yeah, um, that's my big complaint about that mode. The other thing too, complaining about that mode is that you have... To, one of the things is that, okay, you can customize your character a lot. There's a lot of different parts of the costume that you can like for example scorpion you can unlock different masks for him you can unlock different harpoons for him or like other characters different hairstyle or kung lao different hats right um you can unlock it by getting coins by playing the game like arcade mode or story mode you get coins and you use it as a randomized thing to unlock in the shrine or you can also play through this invasion mode and it will also let you win win some of these items as you play so it's like frustrating to me because i'm like Okay, well, one of the only reasons why I would play Invasion is to unlock these items, but I don't want to play Invasion, but I want these items, you know? So, and then the other way is like throwing the coins in a randomized fashion to the, the shrine and it'll randomly give you one of these things um, rather than the thing that you want, which I also don't like. And then the third thing is go in the store and buy it. And it's like, no, I'm not buying it. <laughs> like, so it's like the ways that you, you unlock things is so stupid. It's like, it's basically a grindy, like really grindy game, you know, like just you got to grind through the game to unlock things or you go pay for it. Yeah. So that really frustrates me. Um, at the same time, I don't care too much about the costume customizations. They're nice, but I don't really need them. So it's still OK. But for someone who is they, they want those kind of costume things and they don't want to grind through it, it's it's pretty frustrating. So, Yeah. MK11, when it was first released, had this very same issue. Everyone complained, and then they were like, we're so sorry. Here, we give you free 100,000 currency. Use it however you want. So at least when that was released, they did that, and everyone was happy with that because that allowed you a lot of flexibility to get the things you wanted without having to grind so much. They didn't change the game mechanic because it was too hard to change at that point, but at least they gave the currency for free. Um but then they did the same thing with this game by releasing a game that you basically have to grind everything. I don't understand. I thought they would like learn from their mistake. But, you know, I also don't blame the developers because I think 
this came from higher up. I think this came from WB, not like the actual studio, you know? So yeah, those things frustrate me. Um, what other things frustrate me with this game? Oh, on the Steam Deck, it's very hard to achieve. It's impossible to achieve 60 frames per second. Um, I lowered all the settings. I finally got it to a way where I could optimize it and still be playable. I can get it to 50 FPS, but I actually run it at 40 now because it just keeps everything more consistent. Um, but playing a fighting game, anything less than 60 does take away from the strategy because it's very frame by frame like timing that you do in a fighting game. If you're playing competitively. Um, if you're playing casually, whatever, it's fine. So yeah, that was pretty difficult. And again, because this is an optimization thing, I think day one patch will help because not even day one, they had a patch yesterday for PC fixes. So they fixed a bunch of bugs already during early access. So that was nice. Um, and yeah, some weird glitches are still happening. There's a, uh, um, anytime you do a, a brutality move, it's a finishing move and you uppercut their head off, like any kind of that kind of thing, the head just floats there on the screen. Like as you go through your pose of winning, it just floats there. I don't yep. know if that's how it's supposed to be or if that's a glitch. It doesn't look like it's supposed to float there because <laughs> the body will fall down and the body can move left and right, but then the head just stays still. It doesn't animate to fall off. You know that's, what I mean? That sounds like a glitch for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you sent me the, the, the screenshot of that. It's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's just floating there. And but the switch version was worse because worse because the head was floating there and then the graphic uh, glitch where the head got stretched sideways so it looks like a big like hamburger patty so it it just looks weird um yeah did i complain to you about any other thing about the game i forgot uh i think the two big things were mostly just the the performance issue and like the weird head glitch yeah yeah and those it it sucks because you know this game went gold because it had to and day one they will fix it but it goes back to the whole thing about like crunch time and deadlines and it's like okay so they people don't really fully finish the game before going gold now they just go get it to a state where it's playable enough that they can fix it during launch which kind of sucks because it's like the way that you know dlc and patches are nowadays Mm -hmm. it allows that to happen where you don't really get the full product at launch. Yeah. So, yeah. It yeah, kind the of, just, standards is kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. Because you guys are like, oh, yeah, that, that thing? Yeah, whatever. We could fix it later. You know? Like, we got to make the game workable enough that people can play it, but we'll fix all the small things later. And it's it's frustrating because you're paying for the full price game and you're mm -hmm. getting... And for me, I get... I paid the premium edition or whatever collector edition i don't know 110 dollars for the whole the, the the game with the okay that's another complaint the game with the first season pass and collector's edition was 110 dollars and i don't get anything physical it's just digital 110 and to get early access so that's ridiculous that's yeah that is ridiculous i paid 100 for street fighter 6 and it's like like come on like what's wrong with you know that's a whole other gaming industry issue you know um which again it's not the developer's problem it's the publishers that push this you know so it's like uh that's just how the industry is so yeah it, it playing mortal kombat again reminds me of a, like why i pull back a lot on the current gaming uh, <laughs> generations because of the gaming industry and how you know it's very servicey yeah so 
Yeah. Yeah. There there are games out there that are nice. Like again, Vampire Survivor, where you don't really have many DLC because all the updates are free and included, you know? So Yeah. I mean I think like with recent games, um recent studios such as uh was it uh, Larian that did like Baldur's Gate, uh, apparently that's been doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um so um, I'm hoping like and then like studio from studios that did like Elder Ring and stuff like that. They uh I hope they start setting like a trend where like what quality is like, obviously there's a lot of work that goes into developing those type of games and it's potentially a lot of crunch time. Um, and I hope, and I don't advocate for those crunch time, but it's more of like, that's the, the type of standard that uh, us as consumers or, or players want, right. As a, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we, we pay like full price for something we expect full product not just like here yeah. it's like buying a car it's like oh here's a steering wheel you get the rest of the car later yeah 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 i mean and also like for it was really dumb to have a day one you know dlc already for for mortal Kombat, where like you get nine characters i think or something like that five mm-hmm. to nine characters i can't remember yeah. but it's a dlc but it's like they already know so yeah. like wait did you already make them and just just lock them away yeah so that we can pay more for it and it's, it's like yeah <laughs> like i'm i'm frustrated about that i still pay for it because i'm a big fan of the franchise but yeah. that's the frustration is that i'm so devoted to the franchise i would do it yeah you know but it shouldn't be this way mm-hmm. at the same time there's definitely executives or that knows that there are people who are devoted and will take advantage of that yeah so it's just like oh it's it's kind of like add-ons for like a car or something I think I remember like when you told me about like uh, your Tesla, Tony, the first time you bought it, you told me like how like a cup holder was like $200 to oh, have. Yeah. I was like, isn't that like standard for a, a car? Buy a, you have a cup holder? It's like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it was early on in the Tesla. Because this Tesla that I got now, um, the new one, the Model Y, mm-hmm. uh, has a lot of those early features built in now. So... And then the doors are better too. There's more compartments. So everything that I paid extra for in my first one mm-hmm. is all included now in the newer one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm great. But I mean, there are still car, car companies that still do that where it's just like, hey, yeah. you want this add-on? 200 bucks. You want the steering <laughs> wheel? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You want an engine? $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were talking about... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say installation is not included. Just get the engine. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, we're just talking about studios in the current state and you know releasing unfinished products. So I that kind of delves into the next thing, mm-hmm. which is a suggestion from Taco Douglas from the uh Super Best Friend Video Game Sleepover podcast. He was uh his question to us is was Immortals of Avium sent out to die? And that was like this the, the specific question he asked, leaving it a little bit open ended. Um uh you you know anything about that? Well, I already know as much as you told me a little bit earlier, which is after how much it flopped, the the studio kind of just laid off half its workforce, or more than that, right? Uh, nearly half. So they had like about 100 people, 40 were laid off. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's weird because like, it's not a big, it's considered an indie studio, right? But it's part of EA. I think the first problem is it's part of EA. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. <laughs> so it's like, huh. 
but yeah, it just kind of depends. Like it, I don't know. I I, I hope I saw part of the gameplay and it looks interesting. Uh, but I don't know. Like like you said, like it being part of EA, essentially, it is left to die. If it was its own thing, like its its own, uh, like if it was like No Man's Sky, for example, like that that one was like a huge flop when it first released. Um, the community bashed on it, but then I think because they were their own thing and they continued through it, they're they're able to continue through with it and polish it up to the things that people enjoy today. That's really good. But if you're part of something of like EA or something, it might just be like, all right, well, is that move on? Or like if you're, it just kind of depends on the on the developers. If they're if that's like their passion project, you know, then yeah. It's, then though they might continue through with it, but if it's owned by EA, they might just feel really defeated afterwards, and then they just lose all enthusiasm. Yeah, I I don't know any of like the backstory behind it, but it's mm-hmm. more like okay, so it's published by EA from an indie studio. I mean, EA probably had a hand in like setting deadlines, right? So one of the issues of this game was it had really, really, really high technical requirements, which to me tells me it's not optimized. And if it's not optimized, that also tells me they didn't have enough time because they were being pushed to meet a certain deadline. So, you know, I, I think like, again, like like you said, if it was like, it's a double-edged sword because like if they're going to do it as their own thing and take their time, they may not have the funds to do it. Um, whereas, you know, EA, I don't know how much they fund, but if it's being published by EA, there may be some additional, you know, funding, but then at the sacrifice of like deadlines. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how that works on that side. But um, yeah, it what was it. When was this article published on? Uh, oh, this was published a few days ago. So a few days ago, Polygon said that the game peaked at 74 players in 24 hours. Jesus, it's not a lot. Yeah, for a triple A game, a triple A EA published game. Mm-hmm. So something tells me that EA pushed it out and really just try to get old, like just get past it to try to like, cut the studio or something mm-hmm. so yeah i'm also i'm also kind of like curious because like a lot of times it, uh, from what i saw from the, the videos of the gameplay it's like oh it's it's it says it's from an indie game but they're pushing for like triple a quality and yeah. then i'm like that's that's like really ambitious yeah so the article i was reading right the statement says a groundbreaking AAA single-player magic shooter from an independent studio. That whole sentence is confusing as heck. Right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Okay, gra- first of all, AAA games, they're mostly not groundbreaking. They're more like they play to the trends and then sure, there's some innovation. Mm-hmm. They're innovative AAA. They're not ever like really super groundbreaking unless you're talking about like Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're saying AAA in the same sentence as independent studio. Yep. That's weird. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it just seemed weird to me. Yes, that's why I was like, "This, there's, there's a lot of like things that are contradicting." <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, just go over to that, you know, uh, mom and pop Walmart. Like what? <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of weird. Like I feel bad for the developers. I don't know. Like we again, we don't really know, right? Like what the inner workings are. But knowing EA is involved, I automatically think it's EA's fault. Yes. So, yeah, that is how bad EA is. So yeah, you know how EA used to have the um, 
that tagline ea sports it's in the game it's like no it's in the money (laughs) that's where it's at now uh Anyway, so yeah, there you go, Taco Douglas. And then he has another question. How good is that MK1 Switch port? Um, <laughs> have you seen the MK1 Switch version? No, no. Okay. Did I send you the picture? I forgot if I did. I sent like a comparison picture, maybe. Did I? Yeah, I did. Earlier today? Uh, let me see. It was like around 8.30. Basically, oh, is that the Switch port? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> So basically on the Mortal Kombat 1 page, uh, somebody wrote, if anyone can tell the difference between PS5 and Switch versions, they are lying. I sure as hell can't. Identical. And then he posted two pictures of the character Lee Mei. One of them looks like, you know, proper Lee Mei. The other one looks like, a, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, no, Polly. <laughs> it's like worse than PS1 graphics, maybe? It's like a early Pixar movie. That, that's, that's pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> yeah early Pixar movie where characters don't look like humans at all and they had to use toys instead. So, okay, so the game, the, I've been watching a lot of the clips. I've been trying to find clips of Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch to help me make a decision to buy it or not. And uh, I gravitated towards not buying it because I have it for the Steam Deck already. Um, the textures are terrible. Textures are like single color. Uh, really, really, really bad. The frame rates kind of drop. They hover between 45 ish to 60 you you can always rely on 30 but playing competitively you can't um load times are very bad you do load every cutscene, so it's not seamless between fighting and loading uh sorry fighting and cutscenes because there are there are long load times um yeah so the game looks bad it plays okay uh i think people are making a joke of it because it's such an easy joke target because it's a switch versus ps5 Come on, you know, like, it's just funny that it's even on the Switch. Um, Having said that, if I didn't have a Steam Deck, I would buy it for the Switch. Now, the reason is I don't care too much about the graphics. As long as I can recognize the characters, I'm fine. Like, you know, if you give me stick figures and they're colored like Scorpion, I'm fine. Whatever. Um, As long as the story is there, story mode is there, as long as it's playable. And if I'm not playing competitively, it's fine. This is the reason why. Before I got a Steam Deck, I had the Nintendo Switch. I had a PS4. I bought the collector's edition of Mortal Kombat 11 for PS4. I played it to a certain point, but I really, really wanted to play it on the go. So I bought it for the Switch, and I ended up maining on the Switch, playing it all the time on the Switch and no longer touching the PS4 version. I only played the PS4 version in very, very small exceptions where I'd be playing online against a friend who only has a PS4. Um... Otherwise, I was main play on this on the Switch, and even then, they ended up uh, having crossplay in the future or at at some point, right? So it was fine. I was on the Switch all the time, so I can understand the Switch version being a playable, okay alternative if that's your only option, or if you're more of a mobile gamer. Because now I have a Steam Deck, which is like a better Switch, so I play on the Steam Deck instead. I don't need to get the Switch version. Um, Having said that, they should not have this charged the same exact price on the Switch as the PS5. That made no sense. It is a highly inferior version. Playable, highly inferior, but they're still charging 70 or something like that for the main game and then 100 something for like the premium. Like, that doesn't make sense. That's pretty ridiculous. How much is like 
normal games on Switch, it's like 60. It's like around there, like 50, 60 or something. Like, yeah. Let me check right now on uh, Nintendo Switch Mortal Kombat 1. Maybe it is 60. I don't know, but let me see. Nope, it's 69.99 for the base game. Wow. So it's 70. It's ridiculous. Like, why would you? I mean, I understand it's a triple A game, but this is a very inferior port. You should be paying less. You should be paying 50 ish or at most 60 ish, you know? Like, on par with, I don't know, let's see. How much was Tears of the Kingdom? Let's see. Tears of the Kingdom. Okay, so Tears of the Kingdom is 69.99, which I'm fine with because it is a game made for the, the, the Switch and also optimized for the Switch. And it's a really good looking and, you know, long game for the Switch. It makes sense, right? But Nintendo, Nintendo's version of Mortal Kombat 1 is highly inferior and looks terrible and plays okay. And you're charging the full price. That is the exact same price of what it is on the PS5, which is highly superior. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and here's the other thing. I can understand Tears of the Kingdom being expensive, 70, because that's the only system you can play it on. You can't. So Nintendo doesn't like make money from it being on any other system, Mm -hmm. right? Mortal Kombat 1, WB Games, it's available on everything. On PC, on PS5, Xbox, on Nintendo Switch. Dude, why are you charging the same thing on the Switch as the PS5? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like Breath of the Wild, right? It's like the price hasn't gone down too much from its original pricing. It has it. It's, so it's still probably like around 50, 50 bucks, 60 bucks-ish. Uh, you can get on Amazon for like 45 Okay. Yeah, so I mean, like if you buy on like the, the Nintendo website for like fifty or sixty, yeah, it's sixty so, on Nintendo. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, that's that's like the if if Nintendo's own triple A game is sixty, why is a game not of that quality more expensive? And also not Nintendo's game. Not Nintendo's game, yeah, not exclusive as well. Yeah, so that's my frustration. Um, like I I was so close to buying it because. You know, I was having issues with the Steam Deck, but I got the Steam Deck one to a playable quality for myself. So I'm not buying it, but I was so close. But it really stopped me because of the price, because I didn't want to pay that much for such an inferior version. So it it just logically didn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, Yeah. Capcom didn't even bother to release Street Fighter 6 on the on the Switch because it wouldn't make sense. Like, are you really going to have people buy it or if you, you know. If you sell it on the Switch and people don't buy it, then you you waste your time, you know. But if they do do buy it, then you make money. So I think this this whole thing has greed part of it again, where Capcom was like, "No, we're fine. We want people to experience the correct way with the full game on the right systems." Where WB is like, "No, let's make a quick buck on on Nintendo Switch and charge them the full price." Yeah, it's not even a, a quick buck. <laughs> it's just a really expensive buck. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, wait a bit. See if you can optimize the game more for the Switch before you release it, you know? Because mm-hmm. sometimes that happens too, where the AAA game on other systems eventually gets a Switch release when they find a way to optimize it and make it work. Not release like a half-assed, you know, PS1 era looking game with Pixar humanoid characters that are not even human looking. So <laughs> it's... Yeah, I don't know. I uh, feel like there was a lot of negativity in this episode of our podcast. (laughs) 
Yeah, sadly, that's like the state of the game industry. <laughs> yeah. Is there any any uh, positive things about the gaming industry where we can end on a good note? Let's see. It's uh, weird see. for me. Positive gaming news. I'm searching for that. I don't even know how that could search. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think on the positive side, Unreal is doing a lot of good uh, positive things. Mm-hmm. So, with more people, uh, with with Unreal, like it's it's venturing out into more of um, not only being a game engine, it's venturing out into more of like a, a like filmmaking as well. It's just like mm-hmm. another platform oh, yeah. to use for like films, commercials, TV stuff. Um, and so it's it's opening a lot more avenues because I'm hearing a lot more uh, more of its function being open and it's making it more accessible to to like the public. Uh, I think that's that's great. Yeah, uh, I think we talked about it last time that Moon Moon something game that was being created under the the new community build. Remember that? I don't remember. Something something community made game something. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Was it, was it under Unreal? I don't remember. Possibly. Uh, it was like filmmakers or someone or animators making. I forgot. But yeah, the general idea is like at least Unreal is being more community driven than than um. Unity. I already forgot. What was it? Unity. Yeah, Unity. Jeez, they both start with UN. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, it's ironic, right? Because yeah. Unreal. <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. For. For a company that's that's named Unity, it doesn't yeah. really invoke a lot of Unity. <laughs> yeah, and for a company that says it's uh, unreal, it's it's very real to the community. <laughs> it's very feasible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, yeah. Good job, Unreal. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's uh. Let's go into uh. Game time. Uh. I don't know what kind of game time we could do. Uh. Maybe something quick because I gotta go soon too. Oh. Okay. How about um, I have four games for you sure. that are popular. I'm gonna quickly try to like giving you a description. The the thing that ties them all together is they they all have microtransactions. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, this game is a game that's kind of like fantasy, but it's also like uh where you have to um think of uh it's kind of like Tetris ish, but it's also fantasy. Actually, no. It's it's like puzzles and dragon. Yes. How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of as like a fantasy, fantasy thing. Yeah, <laughs> fantasy puzzle. I I couldn't say puzzle. Yeah. Um okay, this is a, like the original mobile game of like puzzly like, you know, connections. Uh Bejeweled. Okay, I guess not King the original. Cru- uh, Candy Crush. Yes, Candy Crush. Okay. Uh this next one is is a uh, a MOBA that has so many microtransactions. Oh, think of um, legends. Yes, no. Legends is the one I'm going for. Yes. Okay. And then this next one is uh, is a weird one. It's a it's a game that was originally 2D overhead view for the first two games, and the third one became like a third person behind the camera game. And as a first time, it was like an open world fully game. You could do whatever you want. And eventually, like maybe a few games later, it became online. And once it became online, it became microtransactions. Um, the third the game and third game in the series was based on Liberty City. Is um, it Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto. So, I didn't know it became a microtransaction thing. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto Online has a bunch of microtransactions. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was it. That was just the four games I had. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. And uh, 
you have anything to promote? No. I do. My other podcast. <laughs> the <laughs> Video Game and Nerd Trivia Podcast, where each episode I go through three rounds of 10, episodes, 10 questions each about a specific video game or nerd topic. And I do mini shows that are only 10 questions. So the latest episode I released this week was about Street Fighter 2 trivia. 30 questions on that. So yeah, I haven't done one for Mortal Kombat yet on purpose because I want to hold off. Otherwise, it seems biased. <laughs> I, I do Mortal Kombat stuff all the time. So yeah, I have, a, I have a mini episode on mini games for Mortal Kombat, but I didn't have a full 30 question episode yet. Um, but yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, no time for time travel. Signing off. Heard a girl in war speed. See ya. Bye. <laughs> I love, 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 I